गुरुर् ब्रह्मा गुरुर्विष्णु गुरुर्देव महेश्वर गुरु साक्षात बारब्रह्मा तस्मै श्री गुरवे नमः आई बाउ टू द गुरु एज गॉड आई बाउ टू हिम इन ऑल बीइंग्स आई बाउ टू हिम इन यू एंड आई प्रे दैट एज यू लिव इन दिस इनकारनेशन that you will become one with that same brahman because the goal of all of us is to become one with god as all great masters have been my guru never asked us to be just ourselves he always saw god in us he always saw the divine potential in every one of us he never allowed us to come below that potential in his own view It was amazing to me the kind of love that he showed to people no matter who they were no matter how many times they tried to hurt him he was always the same to everyone and as i said recently he did show more love to some because they could handle it more that is to say that they wouldn't respond egotistically they wouldn't misunderstand and take advantage of it but it was he was the same to all because he saw only god in all there was never you know every time i looked into his eyes i could never see a personality there i could see divine love shining through them it was amazing because you know you look at people's eyes usually you see reaction personal reaction there was never any of that i would see sorrow sometimes if he misunderstood him I would see joy always and love always but never personal. You never got the thought looking into his eyes that he was thinking I feel this or I feel that. It was God coming through him, God loving God. As he said I killed, I destroyed Yogananda many lifetimes ago. No one dwells in this temple now but God. And so I mentioned this a few days ago and it's a very important point to remember in fact to my embarrassment a story that i told them is going to be my reading today but you know i don't prepare these talks and sometimes i fall flat on my nose because of it i tell a story which i'm bound to have to tell just a very short time later okay i hope you can bear with me because uh, it's a joy to talk of these truths it's a joy to talk of my guru's teachings and uh, to repeat what he said well it's a joy it is my life blood you might say he spoke i lived with him he spoke to me many times i was close to him but it was 3 and 1/2 years i've been now his disciple for 56 years and i found that all these years i've meditated not just on his words but on the gestures on the look in his eyes on his face on the vibration that i felt for example i remember one time when he was talking to some of the men about filling some potholes in the driveway that had been ruined by rain and it wasn't my particular job at that time so i was able to keep my eyes closed while he was talking to a few of the others but the joy that i felt from his being was so wonderful he wasn't thinking of the driveway he was just filled with joy it reminds me of a story of ramakrishna also when he he died he died of throat cancer which was again taking on the karma of disciples great masters do that and uh, 
it's a very painful disease. And one of his disciples came to him in great sympathy and pity and said, Master, how are you today? And so Ramakrishna, in response to this, this comment, this question, began telling him the harrowing ravages of this disease. You'd have thought that he was describing the most painful, imaginable experience. And yet the disciple, the more he kept, the more the guru kept talking, the more he felt joy in himself until finally he said, Master, don't tell me, I know what you're feeling. And the master sat, kept silent. This was what the master felt. This is what all masters feel. And so no matter what went on, I could see that joy. Underneath everything there was that joy. It was in his, in his voice even. It just vibrated with joy. I can't tell you the thrill that it was being with him. Some people saw a man. I could never see anything but God himself in that, in that form. He, he exuded love. He exuded joy. And yet, if you went against that, and this is what I said a few days ago, it's sort of like a live wire. If, a, if an electric wire is not insulated and you touch it, you can get electrocuted. And so in this story, again, I, I did mention it before. It's worth repeating because it's something that we should remember. In contact with saints and in contact with the highest truth. You know something Ananda Moima said? She's, I used to spend a lot of time with her back in 58 to when I left in 62. She said, be careful always to tell the truth. Because sometimes everything is open in such a way that if you tell a lie, it will have an effect. It isn't always, but in the presence of a master, it is always going to have an effect. Always try to tell the truth. I remember one time, I, had, I used to want to be a playwright, and I had written a play. It was called The Song of the Sadhu, and all the actors were dressed in dhotis and saris and so on. And I went to the house of an Indian friend of mine in Long Beach in California and asked him if he would lend me his dhoti, a couple of dhotis, that we could wear in the play. So he gladly gave them to me. Well, a friend of his, who was also Indian, was in the house with him at that time in his apartment. And as we were leaving, this friend said, I will definitely be there. Well, I knew he wouldn't be there. He hadn't asked what the play was. He hadn't asked when the play would be. He didn't know the date, the hour. He didn't know anything. Why did he have to say, I will definitely be there? It's bad enough to say, I will be there. To say definitely, you know... If I tell somebody I'm going to buy a newspaper and decide I won't, I'll do it just because I said it. You must, when you commit your word, whatever you say, do that. And there are times when, I mean, if you're joking, it doesn't matter. But if you're, if you're really trying to tell a lie to somebody and convince them of anything, sometimes that everything will work. You know how it is in, in the ocean. They say that Sometimes ships have disappeared like that without a trace because it happens that, that all the waves are balancing each other out. All of a sudden, one great wave will rise and just completely inundate even a great ship. That's the reason they say, anyway, for some of the disasters where ships disappeared without a trace. Well, this is... Um, when the karma goes, it sort of balances itself, but sometimes it just catches you. And if you're right in tune with it, it will be bad for you then. Always tell the truth. 
You will develop Vajrasiddhi, as they call it. You will develop the power of materializing your words. That if you say such a thing has to be and will be, it has to be because you said it. But this is the kind of thing you must remember. When you are mixing with wise people, saintly people, saintly people, masters, don't play around with the truth. They won't say anything, but you'll find that, that uh, for good or for evil, your words will mean a lot. And so, this is a very short saying. The Master is speaking about someone to whom he had given divine love. That person later turned against him and in consequence suffered greatly. When you give someone divine love, the Master commented, and he goes against it. He crucifies himself. This is what happened to whenever they, they perform a great, uh, great misdeed against. I mean, for instance, the crucifixion of Jesus. That was a great suffering. That had to be. It couldn't be otherwise for a whole people. This will be so for every great master. And all the people involved in it have to pay for that karma. You know, it's interesting. I asked Master what kind of karma Hitler got for killing six million Jews. Master said it was bad karma, of course, but he didn't have to pay the karma himself for all that the Jews suffered. The whole country has to pay that karma. It's just the way it is that you... A leader doesn't have to bear all the karma of his misdeeds. It's the country's karma to have him as a leader. And the whole country has to pay for that. So you owe it to everybody, your family, your loved ones, everyone. You owe it to them to be truthful. You owe it to them to be, have integrity. I've been writing this course, which I think is a very important course. And in fact, I've never read anything remotely approaching the the truths in this course, I really recommend it to people. It is a, uh, the subject of it is material success through yoga principles. But it's not just quoting Shastras. I've had to live these principles and prove them by my own experience. And it's, it's a real thing because I know it works. If you follow the path, if you follow the path of dharma, there is a saying, yata dharma tata jaya, or in Bengali, jata dharma tata jaya. Where you follow the path of dharma, that's the only way to achieve victory. And people will say, oh, well, I don't see the results. I cheated somebody and look at me, I got a million dollars out of it. <laughs> okay, you did. You'll lose it too. You don't see what happens tomorrow. You don't see who's waiting around the next corner to clobber you. Your karma will catch up with you. You can't get away from that. It's a reality. Don't think that this, this universe, which seems so material, is really material at all. It's all consciousness. God decides. The infinite consciousness rules. And you know, I think the way it works really is from inside. God creates you from inside. He doesn't do it from outside. God is you. And you carry that karma wherever you go. You can't escape it. You can't go to another, another planet and get, get, be, escaped, be free from it. No, sir. You'll pay for it.
and you'll also receive the blessings, no matter how people try to hurt you, if you have remained always true, and don't just try to get even with them, but just say, I know the law will work for me. I will love them, no matter how they treat me. I will be kind. I will be dharmic. And I have seen that happen, where people have tried to destroy me. In the end, they were the ones who hurt, and I never suffered in the end. Yes, I had to pay, had to go through big tests. Okay. But because I remained firm to what I knew was right and wouldn't allow anything to sway me from that, I found that all worked out. I've told you this story before, I think. If I haven't, it's well worth hearing again anyway. It's about, uh, well, it was 1976. So, about 28 years ago. Is that right? My mathematics right? Somewhere back there. And uh, we had a forest fire at our Ananda village in California. You know, in the, in the foothills of the Sierra Mountains, there are many forests. Uh, fire is a great danger. And this fire swept over the land. It destroyed, we had about 750 acres maybe at that time. It destroyed 450 of our acres. It destroyed 21 of our, uh, 20 of our 21 homes in that area, and uh, it was a major thing. For us, we had no insurance, and we were living from hand to mouth. Neighbors of ours, who also lost their homes, discovered that the, the cause of that fire was a faulty spark arrester on a county vehicle. So the government was liable for what this vehicle had done. Our neighbors phoned us in great excitement. They said, oh, we can sue the county and get everything back that we wanted. Well, we were the biggest losers, and we could have sued them for all that we needed, not just to rebuild, but to build the community as we wanted to do. Our neighbors sued, and they didn't have to go through the lawsuit. The county settled out of court, and they got their money back. But I wrote to the supervisors of the county, and I said, I know you're worried about us because we were the biggest losers. I said, we're not going to sue. I was resolved. I knew, and many people predicted we would fail. I mean, what do you do? You have no money and you have no insurance on what you've lost. What could you do? Well, somehow, although we stuck by our guns and did not sue, still it came to us. People came to our support. People came to work with us to help rebuild. People donated from all over the country. We went out on a country tour and brought many people, and gradually we, we got the money, we survived. But the beautiful thing was, there's a photograph, in fact, of Asha, who is with her uh, husband, David Braver, are in charge of our community in, uh, in uh, Palo Alto. But this, this lovely picture is of her the next day after the fire, with this joyful smile on her face, clearing up all the burned wood so we could begin to build again. We were joyful from the beginning because we said, this is God's community. If he wants to take it, fine. If he doesn't, fine. If he wants us to rebuild, fine. But we're not going to sacrifice our joy for a mere thing. Our lives belong to him. It isn't for him that we've... It reminds me of another time our temple burned down. That was quite a little test for me in a way <clears throat> because I had had so many things go wrong, and I won't go through all of that, except that, except to say that I was talking with a friend, and we were talking about the 
trials and sufferings and so on that people go through. And uh, I was saying to her, you know, it's strange, but I don't seem to have hard times at all. Everything goes so smoothly for me. And she said, oh my God, what are you talking about? And she listed all these different tests, one of them being that the, uh, the owners of the land tried to foreclose on us and uh, the temple burned to the ground and so on. Well, you know, when that temple burned down, I was in a shop that, that same day and I walked into the shop singing. I like to sing whenever I, wherever I go. And uh, she said, oh, you're singing. Uh, she was French, not American. And I said, well, I've lost my temple. I haven't lost my voice. Why shouldn't I sing? He said, oh, my goodness. When my, when my, I, my house burned down, I, for six months I weeped. And uh, so, but I thought, why bother? It's only a thing. I hadn't lost my joy. And so after this fire, we hadn't lost our joy. And so, yes, we did get it back, but we were joyful from the very day of the fire and the day afterwards. I happened to be in Hawaii at the time. Uh, I was editing my book, The Path, and I flew back from Hawaii just to sort of comfort the community if they needed it and um, talk about what we must do about it and so on. After all, I couldn't just let them uh, alone at that point. But... Uh, it was such joy. I, I, I can't tell you that if you take these tests in God, he will, his joy won't leave you. He's always with you. You'll just Tears will come to your eyes seeing how wonderful that love is and how nothing, nothing matters. This next song is a song that I wrote. It sounds Indian because it says Rama, but it's not Rama. It's about Egypt and the trip that I took to Egypt, where um, Ra is, was in ancient Egypt the sun god, and Ma is the universal syllable for mother or divine mother. And so I wrote this song along with 15 others, inspired by the vibrations I had felt in different temples and sacred places in ancient Egypt. So when you hear this, don't think of it as Rama. Think of it as Ra, God. Ma, the Divine Mother, the Heavenly Father and the Divine Mother both are our parent. Joy to you. Rama, 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 